kid. Harold, are you ready to play ball? Let's do it. Let's play ball. So can you just tell us the story of how your mom influenced you to become a professional pitcher and now coach? Oh, man, what a story. Um, I don't even know if she knows this story. Um, she probably has no idea how much. And so let me tell you this. It wasn't just my mom. It was my mom and dad. They were both my coaches growing up. My mom was usually the head coach. My dad was usually the assistant. Um, but one of the things they were telling me from a young age, I was I, all I wanted to do was play shortstop. Like that was the only thing I wanted to do. Um, and they basically told me, if you want to be a shortstop, you've got to be the captain on the field. You've got to have the best arm. And so what happened, the story is like this. We were at, when I was nine years old, we were at an all-star tournament. And they had a long toss competition. And every, every team got to select one player to participate. And since I thought of myself as a shortstop, and of course you're thinking, uh, my mom and dad are the coaches. Obviously, I'm going to be there. Well, they picked someone else. And, of course, I had to know why. So I just asked her, why didn't you pick me? Like, kind of upset about it. And she said, you don't have the best arm. And that kind of was like, oh, wait a minute. It was just kind of a wake-up call. Like, okay, well, I got to make sure that I do have the best arm. And you can never tell me this again. Um, so the next day, we had our first game. And the kid um, that she said had the best arm was pitching. So I assumed that I would be playing shortstop. He's pitching. I'm clearly going to play shortstop. And she stuck me at first base. And obviously I was upset about that again. So I said, why am I playing first base? I should be playing shortstop. And she said, no, the guy we have playing shortstop is more of a leader and he has a better arm. You're playing first. So that just pushed me to basically allow no one to ever be able to tell me that I didn't have the best arm to be able to play shortstop again. And I fully believe that my wanting to play shortstop and my desire to play depended on me having to develop the best arm on the field, along with being the smartest player. So I worked tire tirelessly at making sure I had the best arm around. And I think that's what led to me ultimately being, being a pitcher. So early in your young so, yeah, time. That's the story. I'll oh, go ahead, sorry. So early in your young gun, uh, Young Guns e-guide, you say that you, when you first started coaching, you were teaching uh, every athlete the feels that you thought uh, and process that worked for you, but some were not able to benefit from that, and, but many struggled from that. So why do you think there are parents and coaches who struggle with and understanding this concept and, not, and that not everyone learns and feels the same way? Oh, that's a great question. So I think what happens a lot of times is former former like professional athletes, so you know, a lot of former professional pitchers try to get back into teaching pitching. And I think a lot of times what happens is most of the people that are like that were always pretty advanced. And so what happens is people don't really mess with them a lot along the way um, because they are so much better. So they just kind of do whatever you want to do. If you're better than just you keep doing it. Um, and so what happens in my opinion, is that we think that we know the answers. Like if it works for us, it can clearly work for everyone. Um, and that's just not the way that it works. Um, so I believe that, okay, I'm from a really small town. Like I, I'm from the middle of nowhere. If, if I can do these things and make it, I should be able to just tell you the same things and 
if you put in the work, you'll be able to do that. Well, that's not the way it is. And, and I did have one coach that influenced me. Um, and I um, talked about, I didn't really talk about him, but in the, uh, in the beginning of the book, I, talk, I did mention his influence on my decision to get into coaching and those kind of things. I went and had a conversation with him when I was starting this um, because it was a little challenging for me that these kids couldn't get it when I was telling them some, some of these things. It would be like a third could get it, a third were kind of there, and a third just had no idea what in the world I was talking about. And one of the best things he told me was that every kid is like a puzzle piece within a puzzle. It's up to you to figure out where they fit into the puzzle. Um, and at that point, it was just kind of an eye-opening experience, and I just had to sit down and think about, okay, I've got to figure out how to communicate with each kid individually and not just force-feed them the same stuff that I learned. Just because I heard things one way doesn't mean that everyone's going to hear it the same way. I mean, it, does, it also doesn't mean that everyone's going to understand it regardless. So I've got to really make sure I slow things down and explain, the, explain to them um, on a more detailed level um, exactly what we're trying to accomplish. And sometimes the wording is just going to have to be different than the wording that worked for me um, within their cues, that, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that, that's, that's where I think all that comes from. So as I went through your book, you share how training is different in the Dominican Republic than here in the States. Can you explain what the key difference is and what youth parents should focus on focus on instead? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> a lot of people might not want to hear this, but in my opinion, the parents just need to get out of the way. And I don't just mean parents. I mean the adults, really. If the adults left the room, we'd probably be a lot better off. Um, in the Dominican, if you, would, if you would pay attention to what's going on down there, um, it's essentially like there's there's no like real structure to it. It's unstructured play, um, and that's what I think that we need to do. So they they focus on trying to throw hard, trying to throw the ball as far as they can, trying to hit really hard. Whereas in America, we have this like fear of failure culture within amateur sports, where we try to tell kids slow down, just throw strikes, because that helps us win structured baseball games now. Um, and that's not always what's most beneficial for long-term development. So we see these guys come over from the Dominican Republic and they're very, um, um, like they're just very raw. That's, I guess that's the best way to describe it. They're just raw talent. Um, and we don't, we can't understand that the reason they're such raw talent is because they've been working towards just trying to throw hard, hit the ball hard, just develop dirty stuff without the fear of walking people, without the fear of striking out. Um, it's not as big of a deal there, whereas, again, in America, if we strike out, we feel like we've failed everyone. Uh, I have so many kids that I work with that take pride in not striking out, and I try to stress to them that that's not a goal. Um, I don't want you to strike out. Like, that's obviously not a goal either. Um, but you, you shouldn't go up there just thinking about putting the ball in play. Like, that, sure, like that helps you win games at a lower level, but it doesn't mean anything going forward. You have to have the ability to drive the baseball. So a lot of kids and parents especially get caught up in that and thinking, okay, well, my kid's really good at nine, 10 years old because he puts balls in play and he throws a lot of strikes. That's always going to be a big deal at the youth levels, but it doesn't necessarily play going forward. So my hopefully dad, that, that makes sense to you. Yeah, it does. So my dad uh, had me move around from Little League and Rec Ball to select teams at different points in my life. We never worried about winning much. In fact, I was on some really bad teams, but I'm making sure I could be the best player possible when I was 17 and 18, not when I was 12. Uh, in January, I'll try out for my high school team as a freshman. What do you think I should be focusing on 
in these next four years so that I can continue to play in college or even at the pro level? Okay, well, let me be clear. Are we talking about from a pitching standpoint? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, look, I, my, my biggest fear when it comes to high school athletes is they hear some of the stuff revolving around velocity, um, and they try to force the issue way too much. Um, so, number one, I try to make sure guys are focusing on their, on the, their movement quality. So every, every guy is going to be kind of restricted in some way or form. Um, and that's fine. We have to figure out how to work around that. But one of the things that I see way too often is that guys don't know how to, don't know how to rotate very well. Um, and so that has to be the, the main priority there. Um, we have to learn how to rotate. And, of course, velocity is important. Um, but we see a lot of guys just trying to force the issue. Like they don't have any strength built up. Um, they don't have good movement quality. And they're trying to stack uh, a, ton of, a ton of volume with weighted baseballs on top of that seeking out velocity. That's just not the right way to go about it. Um, so I want to preface that before I get into talking about why velocity is so important. Um, because the first thing, I talk to a lot of college coaches, and the first thing they're going to ask me about a pitcher is what's his velocity. That's just question number one that comes up. So I try to stress to people that that, that is checkbox number one. Um, you just have to be careful in how you go about searching for it. Uh, if you just jump into a weighted baseball program, with no foundation of strength and rotational quality, you're just kind of asking yourself for trouble there. Um, it's so, and we get caught up with this, this, uh, this culture here where recruiting is happening at a very young, young age. So a lot of the parents and players feel like if they're not being recruited as a sophomore, then something's wrong. And they're just going to try to force the issue there. Um, a lot of the, a lot of times guys just need to be a little patient because the guys that are more projectable bodies and move well, it's going to come kind of naturally anyways. Um, so they're just going to have to be a little patient in how things go about it. Certain guys, absolutely. Like if you're a senior and nothing's happening, you are going to have to force the issue a little bit if that's your goal. Um, but for the most part, if you can start developing rotational quality at a young age and then start building strength um, and then some long toss to build up some durability and conditioning, um, and then really have the intent behind what you're doing throwing-wise and properly timed intent and within your training, then I think you're all set. But, yes, velocity is a big deal when it comes to getting recruited. Again, I just want to make sure I reiterate this, but you have to be careful in how you go about searching for it. So you published your online book for youth players last year. So can you tell us uh, why you published it and what types of information are inside of it? Yeah, so this is a this is a really important one and a really easy one for me. So I published this because I do live in a very small area. So I'm one of the only athletes or one of the only baseball players from the high school that I went to um, to play professional baseball. Um, and that also includes like the surrounding six counties. Um, we're, we're very closely knit. It's, it's extremely small. So when I say that, I mean, like we have one public high school for the entire county that I live in. And I still graduated with just over 100 kids in my class. Um, so it's a very small town. Um, and there's not a ton of baseball knowledge here. So we have, a, we have kind of a strong tradition of baseball, like as far as winning at a high school levels in this area. But we don't produce enough college athletes. So that's, the, that's actually the, the reason why I wanted to open up a training facility to start with, was to be able to provide an opportunity for these guys that really wanted to play beyond high school to 
to get educated because I think it's a three-step process. First and foremost, you have to educate people on what it takes to play at the next level. Um, and then number two is train towards the goals of getting there. And then the third step would be reaching out to the necessary people, right? So none of that was really going on here. Um, unless the guys are just super talented, then they could get out of here. Um, but that wasn't happening. There was no education going into it. There was no real training going into it. And there wasn't, they didn't have anyone really contacting people on their behalf with the exception of a few coaches. Um, so that all kind of just tied into it. why I wrote the book was geared towards we've, we've seen a rise of travel ball in our area. And there's a ton of misinformation coming from these, um, these travel ball coaches. And I, and I don't mean that as a knock on them, because the one thing I try to stress to the, to the kids and the parents that I work with is that you can only really ask someone to share the information that they know. It's just that the reality is they don't, a lot of these guys don't know a lot. So I wanted to provide a guide for these coaches and the parents and the young players just to show them just that whole step one of the process, the education part of it, like, here's the way you do it. Um, so that, that's really where, where this came from. It was just a, so much misinformation from, from a local level here where I live and, the, and the, some of the people that, are, that I am in contact with on Twitter. So I wanted to provide a guide for the parents that are just struggling out there and the coaches that just want to help um, their players move on to play, to give them the best chance to play beyond high school. That was really why I wrote the book. So can you tell us where we can get the guide and find out more about you? Uh, yeah. So I, so uh, one thing I do need to be better on and your dad and I spoke about this is my website. Uh, but I do have a blog site that you can get the book at. It's mazingobaseball.blogspot.com. Um, and it's also available um, if you were to do a Google search, you have a, a Google My Business thing, and you can find it on through Google as well. Um, and then if you want to know more about me, the best place to do that is probably through Twitter at Mazingo Baseball. I'm also um, somewhat on Facebook, Mazingo Baseball again, and also on Instagram. I'm brand new to that, and that's also at Mazingo Baseball. And then, yeah, on my blog, I try, to, I try to write some articles there and provide as much information as possible to people. So, yeah, that's about where you can find it and where you can learn a little bit about me. So oh, I, and the other question you, you, the other question that I didn't answer, you asked about what you could kind of find within the guide. Um, and I just, just try to be as brief as I can. I, I wanted to go over velocity development, the stuff I was just talking about, like kind of being careful on how you search for velocity. Um, but it's, it's detailed about, and there's some, uh, some in-house data that we've, we've done in, inside of my facility that I shared in the book on long toss, pull downs. Um, there's a section in there on strength training, energy system development. Um, there's stuff on workload management and thinking a little bit differently than just strict pitch counts and innings limits. Um, and there's some, there's some guides on medicine ball training. Um, there's some sample programs for throwing in the off season. And there's also guides for basically showing you what you should be doing based off of your skill level um, and your age. So I think that covers most of it right there. So final question so, here. Yeah. If you could pitch pick three pitches from all out of MLB, what pitches are you taking? You mean out of any pitcher's arsenal, like one yeah. pitch from one any guy, pitch, one pitch from another? Any pitcher's arsenal, what three pitches are you taking? Uh, can I just take the entire Garrett Cole arsenal? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take that any day. Perfect. Thank you uh, so but much. But no, let, 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 let me... 
let me uh, let me let me let me try to get a little more specific. I, I'll take uh, I'll take Cole's fastball, um, and I'll take Glassnow's curveball, and I'll take Strasburg's changeup. There you go. I pick Chapman, Kershaw, and um, and uh, Syndergaard. There you go. Nothing wrong with that either. No. Can't go wrong with any of those names we just mentioned there. Nope. Thank you so much for playing ball. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. This was, this was great. Hey, it's Sam here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show, the algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.